Y'all just sit down. Stand back up. We're going to read the Word of God. Y'all, it's aerobics. It's, it, it's good. It's good. I believe that we stand in respect to the reading of the Word of God together, okay? Read with me from Matthew chapter 22. Mike? Matthew twenty-two thirty-six says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. God, this is your word. I pray that by your spirit, you would teach it to our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Questions, questions, questions. So many questions. I remember, uh, I remember asking kids, my, my kids, a lot of questions when, when, they were, when they were littler and in school. Uh, did you brush your teeth? Do you, do you have your homework finished? Are you really going to wear that to school? How was school today? Fine. Did you bring your report card home? Who have you been hanging out with? Will there be adults at this party you're going to? So many questions. Well, nobody was asked more questions than Jesus. Nobody was asked more questions than Jesus. Some scholar counted the questions that were asked of Jesus in the Bible and came up with 183 questions that were asked to Jesus in the Bible. 183 questions. Jesus also asked many questions, and many times Jesus answered a question with a question. <laughs> with a question. With a question. So many questions. Here's a list of several of the multitude of questions that were posed to Jesus during his days walking on the earth. In Matthew 13, why do you speak to the people in parables? In Matthew 15, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? In Matthew 19, who then can be saved? In Matthew 24, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? In Matthew 26, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? In Matthew 26 again, Lord, is it I? Do you remember that question? Peter asked a lot of questions, didn't he? <laughs> when I think about questions in the New Testament, I think Peter was the question guy. Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
you remember Peter asking that? In John 13, we record and, and read that uh, uh, Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Questions, so many questions. Peter asked, Lord, can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Can't I follow you now? You remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus asked Jesus, he said, he said, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time in their mother's womb and be born. You remember Nicodemus asking that question to Jesus. Martha, on that occasion when Martha and Mary were, were together in the house with Jesus, she said, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Remember when Martha asked Jesus that question? Pontius Pilate asked Jesus a question. Are you the king of the Jews? Pontius Pilate asked to Jesus. In Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him and said this, asked this question, by what authority are you doing anything, are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? They asked Jesus. Questions. And finally, the question that I want us to consider today, asked by the Pharisees, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? I want to kind of change that question in our consideration this morning to this. Faith Christian Fellowship, what's the most important thing? Or what are the most important things? Matthew 22 that we read, Jesus' reply was, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets are attached, are relative, or depend on these two commandments. What are the most important things? Question. You see, Jesus finds himself in the midst of some debate with the religious leaders of the day. That was not unusual, was it? As usual, they were asking questions to try to trick him into saying something that they can use against him. The Sadducees and the chief priests and the Pharisees, although they had their positional and doctrinal differences, 
were constantly trying to catch Jesus in a statement that they could use as an accusation to destroy him. Also, as usual, Jesus' answer is thoughtful and brilliant and goes above and beyond the normal answer. In this case, Jesus chooses to quote the Mosaic scripture that we find in Deuteronomy 6, 5, friends. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It is a scripture that the Jews still quote today. In verse 4 of Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and your gates. This is the opening of the great Jewish prayer called the Shema. It is still a big part of Jewish prayers. Rabbit trail alert. <laughs> I was working at our repair shop a number of years ago at Buddy Rogers Music. And one of my staff, one of my technicians says to me, I'd like to go to lunch with you one day when you have a chance. Well, he would never, he had never asked me to go to lunch with him before, and so I knew something was coming. You know, those of you who manage people, if they, if they, if they want a few moments, can I have a few moments with you? you know? Tony and I went to lunch that day, and uh, Tony and I had had conversations about faith from time to time. And Tony says to me, my wife and I have been on a spiritual journey and we have landed. We are converting to Orthodox Judaism. Hello. Now, I don't know how many of you understand what I just said and the ramifications of it. There's Judaism, there's moderate Judaism, and there's Orthodox Judaism, and there's Messianic Judaism. The procedure that they proceeded to go through over the next months was, was, was really quite amazing and and frankly, I had a level of respect for what they walked through in the next months because they, they committed themselves to this thing and they went for it. They separated for three months and got remarried again, he, he and his wife, because they wanted to, their marriage to be recognized under, under Jewish Torah. Okay? I noticed something about Tony. He had an unusual bracelet on. And, and in that conversation, I asked him about that bracelet. And that bracelet, when you open it, it had a little container on it. When you open it, 
it had a Torah passage on it. Tony got up at the break of dawn and met with six men in what's called a mitzvah, a gathering of six men for six to ten men for prayer every, every, every morning. The, the dedication of the, of the religious rituals and the things that that group of people walked through, I kind of learned about in the, next, in the next couple of months. And they take very literally terms like, talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the road and impress the scriptures and the commandments upon your children because generation after generation after generation of young Jews have learned those scriptures and those commandments and those prayers and they can recite the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength because they've been taught it from the time they could understand language. They take literally tie the scriptures onto your onto your wrists and sometimes even even onto your forehead and, and and paint the scriptures above the doorposts of your home. When the children of Israel crossed over and were delivered from Egypt, God said to Moses, take twelve stones and pile them up here on the shore so that the next generation that comes by can look at them and say what do these stones mean and you will answer them here is where the children of Israel crossed over at the mercy of God twelve stones to remind It was just like Jesus to quote the scriptures when, when debating the religious folks of the day. He came to fulfill, say fulfill. He came to fulfill the many scriptures that foretold his coming. And he knew every one of them because they were from the heart of his heavenly father. Let's unpack for our understanding this text that Jesus called the greatest commandment. Number one, we are commanded to love God with all that we are. Say all that we are. are. There's a breakdown here in this scripture of kind of the parts of a person. It is a description of the spiritual, conscious, and emotional parts of a human being. There is not a portion or aspect of the Christian's life that is exempt from loving God. Did you hear me? There is not a portion or an aspect of the Christian's life that is exempt from loving God. It is whole person love. Love Love here and all over the New Testament is the verb agapeo. It is the agape love that is so widely talked about and, and taught and preached. It is a work of the person's inner man that causes them to love with agape love. Agape love is, is, 
is love that always prefers the other over self. In this instance, it is surrendered to the glory of God in our lives as disciples. First, we are to love God with all our heart. From the Greek, cardia. Sound familiar? The biblical idea of the heart is the center of all life, physical and spiritual. The heart. We know that the heart is the physical center of life, providing life-sustaining blood flow throughout the body. And the biblical references to the heart of man show it to be the center of a man's will. According to a man's heart, he makes decisions and acts accordingly. A man's heart can clearly be turned to good or to evil. Amen. Yes. We are admonished to guard our hearts so that we might not sin against God. To love God with our hearts is to be guided in a righteous and obedient path that honors Him. Let me ask you this. Is your heart, your inner man, and the seat of your will being conformed to His will? The pastor of the church where Ron and I have served for the last five years would say routinely, it's all about the heart. It's all about your heart. Secondly, we are commanded to love God with all our soul. All our soul. From the Greek, suka, P-S-U-K-A-H. The biblical idea of our soul, listen, the biblical idea of our soul is the breath of who we are. The, the spiritual side of man as compared to the physical or the intentional side of man. You with me? Is, it is the aspect of the human being that will outlive the physical. It is the seed of our emotions. It is the side of man that is being set aside for God. Our sukha soul. It is the seed of feelings and desires and affections. We get the word psyche from this Greek root. It is the psychological part of who we are that creates emotions and desires. I am not a psychologist, friends, but I see every day how the soul part of a person affects who they are and their interaction with others. Loving God with our soul is our product of our ever-changing desires and affections and emotions directed towards Him. Let me ask you a question. Has the Holy Spirit worked in your emotions? Has He changed your desires? Is He working Himself deeper into your life? A person who loves God with all their soul is becoming a disciple. That person is being changed in the inner man. Love God with your heart and your soul. Also love God with your mind. Love God with your mind from the Greek dianoia. Dianoia. 
The biblical, con the biblical concept of our mind is the seat of our intellect and our understanding, okay? It is the seat, it's where our intellect and our understanding resides. It is the part of us that grows in the knowledge of the Word of God and His laws and principles. Our minds process and interpret the input from all outside sources. Can I say that again? Our minds process and interpret the input from all outside sources. It is the third in the trinity of heart, soul, and mind. And these three, these three are linked together in the inner man. Clearly, our minds are changed by the Word of God, mixed with the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Let me share a personal revelation. Before I was a Christian, this book called the Bible made no sense to me before I was a Christian. <laughs> made no sense. It was just a jumbled series of stories and and philosophies and rules. But when I became a Christian and began to yield to the teaching of the Holy Spirit that entered into my life or, or that made my inner man alive, the truth of the Word began to take root in my life. It turned into true understanding. I like to think of it this way. The words from the pages of Scripture are, are illuminated and magnified in my mind as the Holy Spirit works in my inner man. Amen? That book makes no sense until the Holy Spirit lit up my inner life and opened my mind and changed my, my psyche and affected my heart. It made no sense until that happened. In a parallel passage in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 30 adds another word to this text. He says, with all your strength, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and say strength. It's from the Greek, iskis, I-S-C-H-Y-S. I am not a Greek pronunciator. So you know, I will butcher the Greek. The biblical idea of strength here is the idea of ability and might and action. Ability and might and action. The working of our inner man, the, the heart, soul, and mind, works itself out of me in the actions that I take. Okay? Okay? The heart of a disciple works in such a way that the disciple does what the Bible calls good works. Note that we do not take action to be accepted by God. Instead, we take action because we are accepted by Him through grace. Oh my goodness. Amen. 
I hope you're not working to be accepted by him. I hope you're working because he's accepted you. Have you known someone in your life with a, with a, with a grateful heart that just, that, that, that just is a servant? That out of that changed life comes the actions of a disciple. Have you known someone like that in your life? I got excited. I lost my place. <laughs> Loving God with all our strength means that our actions are actions that please Him. They are actions that express praise and worship. In 2 Samuel 6, we have the story of the Ark of the Covenant being triumphantly returned to Israel. In that passage, King David is described as leading and leaping and dancing with joyful praise unto the Lord with all of his strength. David was so excited that the Ark of the Presence of God was coming in back into Israel that he that he leaped and danced and expressed with all he had to God. By the way, some of the folks in church didn't like that. <laughs> David was so overjoyed in the presence of the Lord that he could not contain his joy. We see David's inner man coming to the surface as he dances in front of everyone in this celebratory parade. David, in a sense, didn't care what anyone thought of his actions. He was determined to praise God with all he had as a response to what God had done in his life. David had all kinds of reasons to rejoice not the least of which was that he was a sinner who was forgiven by the grace of a merciful God. If we just start there, we have reason to dance. Amen. It's a passage in a song that has been sung for a few years now. I... I suppose I'm getting confused these days. What is a modern song and what is a classic song and what is a contemporary song and, and, and all that. I just know a good song. Here's a lyric for you. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. I love that lyric. That might be one of the most powerful worship lyrics written in the last 20, 25 years. That's it. The, the inner man that has been made alive comes out of us in songs and psalms and spiritual songs. Loving God with all that we are is manifest in our praise and worship and in our prayers. But it also comes to reality in our lives in the second commandment that Jesus said is like it. We are commanded to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
how do we go about developing a love for other people in line with this commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves? In Luke 10, we have recorded Jesus teaching the parable, of course, of the Good Samaritan. It's a familiar and an often quoted story. But the parable is in answer to another one of those questions that was asked to Jesus, right? Who is my neighbor? <laughs> Sounds like a quote from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> who, who is my neighbor? After sharing the parable with this Pharisee, Jesus poses this question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Remember the three different ones that passed by? The reply was this, of course, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus says, go and do likewise. That's his response to, who is my neighbor? Sort of blows any excuses out of the water, doesn't it? We remember that the Good Samaritan went to great lengths to help the injured man along the road. Remember? First he took him to Frisch's. <laughs> and there was a Motel 6 down the road. You know, and he went to the, he went to the, to the office of the Motel 6 and he says, My man is going to be staying here in room 4. Here's my credit card. And beyond that, there's an urgent care a couple of doors down. And he sees to it that the folks at the urgent care take care of our wounded new friend. Great lengths. You see, loving others shifts the, the emphasis from preferring ourselves to preferring the other one. It's a little too skinny, Brother Steve. Remember our pastor talking about this? We read a book by Bob Goff. Might want to write this down. It's called Love Does. Love does will turn your head in circles about serving and loving others. Bob Goff, love God. Or, I'm sorry, love does. Love does. It takes an inner man revolutionary turned inside out Holy Spirit driven change of heart to begin to make these changes. I attended a workshop on customer service a few years back presented by a fast food chicken restaurant that is popular with, chicken, with Christians. A fast food chicken restaurant that is popular with Christians. The facilitator of the workshop was the president of the company, the founder's son. I'll never forget the 2M, 2N, principle that he taught us. 
you spoiled it. You put it up there too early. This guy is two on top of it. I was going to say to you, what do you think 2M, 2N means? It means, now Mike, second mile, second nature. I almost cried when I heard Dan Caffey say that that day in that session. He quoted scripture pretty much, didn't he? Second mile, second nature. It's from, it's from Jesus' words in Matthew 5:41, and it is meant to guide the customer service focus of this fast food chicken company that is closed on Sundays. Jesus says, if someone asks you to walk a mile with them, walk the second mile also. It's the same passage where Jesus taught to, to turn the other cheek when you get slapped and to give the cold man your coat. The chicken company popular with Christians that is closed today sets its sights pretty high considering the type of business they are in. And their growth and their customer satisfaction is a result of it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Questions. Lots of questions. Sometimes I'm afraid that we in the modern church do the very least that we can to help others and call it ministry. I might have to crawl into the new. Has the work of, your, of God in your inner man been such that the with all your strength part is lived out in going the extra mile for others. I'm going to ask that again. Has the work of God in your inner man been such that the with all your strength part is lived out in going the extra mile for others? Love your neighbor as yourselves, according to Jesus, not my words, his, is just like loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How you doing? He says it's just like the Shema prayer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your, and your mind and your soul. What about your strength? Listen. Real, guys, this is not complicated. I know, I know it sounded complicated to more because I've talked about our psyche and I've talked about our heart and I've talked about all these things, but it's real simple. Has God done a work inside of you that comes out in love for others? Title of this message was what's the most important thing. Questions, 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 questions. Here's a few. Are we able to love our neighbors when it is not convenient? Are we able to love our neighbors when they don't look like us? 
Are we able to love our neighbors when we disagree with them sometimes vehemently? Are we able to love our neighbors when they've not been so loving toward us? Mm, this one. Are we able to love even when we are hurting or struggling or confused? Are we able to love? Loving others shifts the emphasis from preferring ourselves to preferring the other person. I believe that the creative work of the Holy Spirit in a disciple's life will illuminate and magnify opportunities to serve others. You say, well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to do for my neighbor. I submit that if you're in the Word and you're seeking the direction of the Holy Spirit and you're in prayer, you're going to have plenty of opportunities because God is going to take that and He's going to work it out of you and in that He is going to bless someone because of what God does through you. As Jesus said, as I have loved you, so should you love one another. I have quickly appreciated the love of you folks in this room. Quickly appreciated it. I don't know if somebody asked me about what my vision for the church is. Blame that on her. <laughs> In a healthy community, rabbit trail. Sorry. By the way, Mike wondered uh, if it'd be a good idea to get some LED lights <laughs> for for the for the front of for the front of here that I could hit a switch that the LED light went on and that meant rabbit trail warning. <laughs> Community is a big buzzword in the millennial generation. You hear them talk about community a lot. Okay? Let me tell you something about that I've learned about the millennial generation that has lived under my roof. They love and put us to shame. Say what you want about doctrine or this or that, but I'm telling you, there is, there is a love and an acceptance for others that has just impacted me through the last number of years. Prefer the other over myself. The question if do I have time or not doesn't come up. Do I have time or not is put not part of your vocabulary when God has done this inside work that gives you a love that prefers the other person. Do I have time doesn't make a difference anymore. Do I have the resources? Do I have the money? Yeah. 
isn't part of your vocabulary anymore after God has done this interior work in you to love God with all you are and to love others with all your heart. And church, as a body, I'm not going to want to hear what we can't do to help others. I'm going to want to, together with all of us, discover how we can come alongside of others. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you love one another. Point number three. I was told we had lots of time between the service and baptism. And blame Mike, that's what he told me. Obeying these commandments raises our worship and widens our outreach. Okay? It raises our worship and it widens our reach. It is the pattern of the cross. There is the vertical part of the cross. That reminds us that, that God loves us so much that he sent from heaven his only son to be the payment for our sins. Amen? Amen. The vertical part also reminds us that we should express our love, our worship vertically toward God alone. The vertical reminds us that Jesus came down. And the vertical reminds us that our praise should go up. Amen. Amen. Our praise should go up. Do you remember what I said at the beginning of the service? When we come together, we're going to worship. Yes. We're going to worship. And our focus of our worship is going to be vertical. Is going to be directed toward God. Worship is the acknowledgement that God is above all, in all, and is worthy of our honor. In the disciple, it is the constant recognition and expression of thankfulness and praise. That's what worship is. Worship, at its simplest, is our recognition of what God has done and who he is and what he is to our lives. It's our response to God. The horizontal part of the cross reminds us that Jesus came to reach out to all the lost. Amen? When you look at a cross, please be reminded when you look at that image that, that, that God sent his son down the vertical part to reach wide to all those who would receive him. It's the pattern of the cross. It also, the horizontal also reminds us that we are to reach out and love all of those who God puts in our path. As we grow in our love for God with all we are, our love for others rises up within us and a second mile becomes second nature. I thought about finding a way to put an image on the screen of a little tiny cross in the corner. 
And then as you zoom it, the cross becomes larger. If you can visualize that for me for a moment. So the little cross that's on the screen becomes a large cross like, like on the wall. How does that happen? How does the cross we are to bear become larger in our lives? By these two commandments. Vertically love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Horizontally love those that God puts in your path. <laughs> Jesus says, everything else just hangs on this. I, guys, I, I think that's a pretty remarkable statement. You know? Jesus didn't do a whole lot of summary statements. He talked about a lot of very particular situations and ministered to people in very personal ways. But here, he comes back and, and he says, here's the big picture. Here's, here's what I want to see in the big picture. The big picture is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor. Reach out to those around you. I think you can't have one without the other. I don't think you can live a life as a disciple of Christ and not express praise and worship. Not healthy. Not healthy. I don't think you can be a disciple of Christ that expresses praise and worship and raises some both hands if you get real blessed and, and, never, and, and never help a brother. Huh? Because I think they work together. I think the cross gets bigger. That little cross in the corner, it, 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 you, you, you learn the life of worship as a disciple, and, and, and that grows, and as you do that, you realize there are hurting people around you, and you start to reach them, and you, and you praise more, and you watch God work, and you praise more, and, 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 it, and it reaches, and the cross gets bigger. Is that what Paul meant when he said, take up your cross, bear your cross, carry the burden of your cross? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. I don't know. I don't know. I do know this. It's God works in my inner man. My compassion and love for others grows. I'm going to preach a series in a bit on the subject of transformation. I ain't what I used to be. Amen? Can you say that? I ain't what I used to be, and I'm not, and I'm not yet what I'm going to be. Because the life of a disciple, the life of a disciple is a life of transformation. It is a life of God changing me. He changes me in the inner man. And as he does, I reach wider. Two M2N, second mile, second nature. As we grow in our love for others, and we reach out and minister God's love to those who we encounter, God is glorified, and his love is shown to the world. 
as the vertical part of the cross is raised in worship, so the horizontal part of the cross reaches out in love to a lost and dying world. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. In closing, <laughs> had a preacher who would say in closing, and you were a good 20 minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> Are these commands of Jesus that he called the greatest a guide for your Christian life? Does your worship life involve your whole person, heart, soul, mind, and strength? Your worship life. Is going the second mile second nature? Do you see the vertical and the horizontal pattern of the cross manifest in your life? Faith Christian Fellowship, what are the most important things? What are the most important things? Jesus shared with us what the most important things are. Now, he shared a lot of other stuff, yes. But when it came down to this, love God and love people. Mike, could you pull up that video?